We know that nothing is more valuable than God. We know that stuff rots and rusts. We know to invest in the eternal. We know that there is no real security in this world. We know what is really valuable and choose to treasure it. And finally, we are worth more than the sum total of our stuff. We'd like to say amen to that. Amen. We give glory to God forever because He is a forever God. And what we trust is that we can count on Him to be who He has always been, to always be that God. He doesn't change His mood. He doesn't change His mind. And that the the ways that He has decided to treat His children is the way that we can count on Him to be forever. We want to welcome you to Southfield. We're glad that you're here this morning, and we hope that you've come prepared to uh, to lean on God and to listen to Him. We encourage you as you as you sit and think to really think, and to think not just for today, but for the whole week. It, it might mean taking notes. It might mean leaning in a little extra as you sing. We encourage you to sing loud. None of us are perfect singers. But there's something about projecting something that we know to be true from the inside of us to the outside of us. In fact, I'd like to ask you to join me and do something now. There's a prophet in the Old Testament named Isaiah who said some really critically encouraging words to God's people in a time where they were worn out and confused and distressed. I'd like to to read that scripture passage this morning, but I'd like for you to read it with me. And I'd like to ask you, to read it in a loud voice. Would you join me in this? This is Isaiah 40 if you want to look it up later. Read along with me. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Your applause right now is an amen and an agreement to God and what He said. Amen. Let's pray to God together. Father God, thank You for meeting us here this morning. Thank You for being the God who always wants to be found by by His people. So everlasting, so powerful, so far above us. And You make Yourself so near to those of us who need You. Lord, we, uh, we accept your offer today to live by your power and not just ours. Uh, we accept your offer uh, to be anywhere in our life, any corner, whether it's light or dark, and be able to look to you 
and know that you are God and that the attention that we give you will only give us more strength. Thank you for being such a great God to us. In your name we pray. God, our worship for you is something that uh, we offer up to you with pleasure, knowing that it's something that you long for. We know that you want the attention and the respect that you deserve. You're God. You can request that. But we also love that you know that when we worship you and we centralize you in our lives, things go much better. So thank you for wanting things to go good for us too, God. Our worship for you now, God, is to open our hearts and to tell you that if you have something to tell us, we're ready to change, ready to change our heart, ready to change our actions, ready to change our minds uh, with whatever opinions, whatever commands that you have. Because you're the, ones, you're the one that we follow. You're the one that we worship. We love you. We pray in your name. Amen? Amen. Hey, good to see you. Generally, I am a big fan of Ben Franklin. Think he had a lot of good ideas except two. Making the turkey the national bird. Still like the eagle a little bit better. And this day in March, when they steal an hour from us. It's the greatest idea in the world in the fall. But today it hurts. Obviously, Ben was not the pastor of a church. And he didn't know how this felt. Getting people to wake up, be on time, and be here ready to go. But we promise this morning we will be uh, extra sparkly just for you. And if you doze off, don't worry. Your neighbor will give you a nudge. We also like to do you the favor that, you know, sometime around 1125, somebody's going to come in and sit down next to you. Just pretend that we're going to be here for another hour. It'll all work out. Uh, Would you go ahead and grab your folder right now on the inside? You'll find a card that says Southfield card on it. Put your name on that. I'm going to be asking you to do some responding at the end. And so your name is helpful. If this is your first time with us, go ahead and put as much information on the card as you're comfortable filling out. And uh, at the end, as you're leaving, you'll notice a table on your way out the door. There's a banner there that says for our guests. And we have a, a book there that we'd like you to take as, as our gift to you, uh, just to say thanks for being here. We hope you'll read it and enjoy it, and, and that will help you to connect with God on a deeper level. I'm going to warn you up front, I'm going to be doing things a little bit different today. We're going to have kind of a little bit of a kitchen table conversation today as we uh, break into the Word of God and understand what He has to say to us. This past week, uh, Kim went to our local bank to do some business. She needed to change an account to ask some other questions. And the person who would normally help her uh, was not available. And so they said, would you like to speak to the bank president instead? Kind of cool. It actually worked out well. She knows the bank president. He's familiar with our situation. And he was actually the perfect person to answer her questions. It was, in a sense, an ideal situation. He knew her, she knows him, they have a relationship, and beyond that, he's an expert on the subjects that she needed to have addressed. It's a great combo. I know you, you know me, and you know what I need to know. You know, many of us in this room identify ourselves as uh, Christ followers. We call ourselves fully devoted followers of Jesus. That means a few things. Uh, First, it means there was a time in our life that we identified or aligned ourselves with Him. We acknowledged Him as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. As I was shaking hands with people leaving this morning, a a lady left and she said, Today is my birthday. 
28 years ago today, I aligned myself with Jesus. I became a Christ follower. Um, Further, as a Christ follower, we're in a relationship with Him. We're getting to know Him. And by the way, He knows us already, totally and completely, inside and out. Nothing is hidden from Him. There's no motive, no secret desire, nothing. He knows us completely. And we're in the process of getting to know Him. Here further, what it means is uh, He's an expert on what it means to be a Christ follower. After all, He's Christ, right? He's the one that can tell us better than anyone else. He can give us the instruction, the insight, the motivation, the empowerment, all you need. When, when you're talking to Jesus, you're having a conversation with the man, so to speak. He is the Christ of devoted Christ follower. I love Jesus. I love following him. He's changed every aspect of my life, and I try my best to make sure that every area of my life is totally and completely under his influence. I try my best to live for him, and I'll say it publicly, I would gladly die for him. As a follower, I don't want to guess what it means to live for him. I want to know what he wants. I want to know what he says, and I want to know who he is, and I want to follow him wholly and completely. You know, every week when I prepare to present the Word of God in this room, I make a couple of assumptions. One, I assume that because you're here, you're either already a Christ follower or you're investigating becoming one. That's part of the reason you come here. And secondly, if you are a Christ follower, well, then I assume that you, like me, want to know him more You want to live for Him, and you want to follow Him wholly and completely. You know what I realize? That maybe some of those assumptions aren't aren't safe. If you're not a Christ follower, and you have no interest in investigating anything about Him, I'm not sure why you come. I'm glad you do, but I'm not really sure. I mean, I know we have great friends here and, and fantastic coffee, but outside of that, I really just don't get it. But you know what I don't get even more? It's a Christ follower who doesn't want to follow Christ. I mean, by its very definition, if you're a Christ follower who doesn't want to follow Christ, what are you? Are you a Christ follower or are you just along for the ride? doesn't make sense. I'm here because I want to meet Jesus. And I assume every week that you're here because you want to meet Jesus as well. That's why we're here. We're here to meet Jesus. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to encounter Him in His Word. We're going to read and we're going to meet Jesus. As we do, we're going to let Jesus into an area of our life that that we do tend to kind of keep off limits. Out of bounds, we reserve to ourselves and we keep far from His influence. (coughs) This series we're starting today is called uh, This Little Piggy Met Jesus. Which little piggy? Which little piggy met Jesus? Maxwell? Oh, you remember Maxwell. Maxwell's my buddy. I love Maxwell. switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance. Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 
I, I know I used it a couple months ago. I promise you, I'm going to work that into every sermon I can. I love that commercial. It just cracks me up. And on this morning, what you really need is a little kid going, Wee! All the way home. It drives you nuts. No, we're not talking about Maxwell. We're talking, we're talking about this little piggy right here. We're talking about this little piggy, the one that holds our hopes and dreams, our ambitions and our desires, the one we invest in, hoping for a return of happiness and security. Today we're going to meet Jesus in Luke chapter 12. If you've got a Bible with you today, open it to Luke chapter 12. Jesus is having a conversation with his closest followers. He's trying to help them and help us understand the value of a dollar. Or maybe, more correctly, the lack of value in a dollar. The main thrust of our teach today is centered on Luke 12, 29 to 31. Jesus says there, Don't be concerned about what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything, everything you need. Today's life lesson, the sermon in a sentence, a truly devoted Christ follower, truly devoted Christ followers have a radically different system of estimating value or worth than that of their earthbound friends. What you will find is that the more you draw close to Jesus, the more you follow Him, the less your values are going to be like your neighbors, your co-workers, the people around you, the people that are bound to this earth. Because we're not bound to this earth. We're bound to a different kingdom. One of the more important roles Jesus played when He came to this earth was to serve, if I can say it this way, as an emissary from a foreign land. A place we've never been, but a place we hope to go one day, and that is heaven. Further, he came to try to help us in, in our imperfect world to relate to this place we've never seen before, that being the kingdom of God. He serves as a bridge, not only the bridge of our salvation, the way to get to God, but the bridge of our understanding. He came to interpret the workings and values of God's kingdom to people who speak a totally different language and have a completely different set of values. Talking to Jesus, in a sense, is like talking to a foreigner. Or maybe we're the foreigners. Uh, he's not just someone from another country or another planet. It's almost as if he's from another universe or another dimension. And he's here to let us know what life is like where he came from. And what life was supposed to be like here. Prior to Genesis 3. Prior to a serpent entering a garden and a lie and the eating of forbidden fruit. So this morning, much like Kim sitting down with the bank president, I want to imagine us sitting across the table from Jesus. He is someone with whom we have a relationship. You know him. He knows you completely. And he knows everything you need to know about life and life to come, as well as the way it was intended to be here. So as you're having that conversation, as you lean back and, and you're thinking questions, your first question might go something like this. On earth there are certain things of, of high value, precious metals and stones like, like gold and silver, platinum and titanium, uh, diamonds and rubies. 
If I were gathering the most valuable commodities of heaven, the things that never lose value and only increase in value, what would they be? I don't think Jesus would even flinch. He wouldn't blink. It wouldn't take him a second to come across with his answer. He'd say, that's easy. What's most valuable in God's kingdom is God himself. Nothing is more valuable in the kingdom of God than God himself. I mean, isn't that what Luke 12, 31 is saying? Seek the kingdom of God above all else, (coughs) and he will give you everything you need. God wants us to value God. That's what he wants. He wants us to value God more than anything else, to hunt for him like a great treasure, to not quit until we are completely satisfied and truly secure in him. That's what he desires. That's the message we see throughout the whole Bible. In the book of Psalms, chapter 14, verse 2, we read, The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. Imagine that right now. He's looking down from heaven. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, and then he defines wisdom. If anyone seeks God. God is actually in heaven today, looking throughout the earth, looking through the United States, looking through Shanahan, looking through this congregation to say, is there anyone there that seeks me? Psalm 10.4 says the wicked are too proud to seek God. It's not that they're too wicked to seek God. They're too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. And of course, it is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, that we read, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must must first believe He exists, and second, that He rewards those who do what? Sincerely seek Him. God rewards people who seek Him. He is the most valuable thing, person, we could ever have. And so we're to seek Him with our own whole heart. Jesus tells stories called, called parables, Earthly sayings with heavenly meaning. He uses earth stories to try to help us to understand heaven and the way God works. He uses them to describe the place he is from. In Matthew 13, this is what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Imagine you're walking through this field today, and out there you find a valuable treasure. I mean, more valuable than anything you've ever seen. In his excitement, he hid it again sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field so that he could have the treasure. The next verse says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Does that even begin to describe the intensity of your desire for God? Do you seek God that much that you would sell everything, give up everything in order to know God better? Here's what Jesus is saying. A Christ follower, a devoted Christ follower, would sell anything and everything to get to know God better. There is nothing more valuable in heaven's economy than God himself. In light of that truth, Jesus is saying that we should really place a higher priority on the spiritual realm than the physical realm. He's not saying that the body and the physical world are bad or or that they don't matter. He's just saying that, that God relates to us and we relate to God on a spiritual level, on a heart and soul level, and that's what matters even more than the physical realm. Hear what he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. 
Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't do any more to you than that. Now you think, well, that's a lot. <laughs> they killed me. I'm gone. No, wait a second. They, they've only killed your body. They can't do anything further to who you really are. He goes on to say, but I tell you to whom to fear, fear God who has the power to kill you and then to throw you into hell. He's the one to fear. He's saying what we should care about more is the spiritual realm. That's what matters most. God is heaven's most valuable commodity. If you have God, you truly do have all you need. Here's the second thing Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 2. Stuff fades, rusts, burns, gets lost and stolen. Stuff fades, rusts, burns, gets lost and stolen. Look at uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 33 to 34. He says, Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up for you treasures in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old. Great news, girls. And develop holes. Your tre- Great news, guys. Your, your treasure will be saved. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. Hey, do you not believe that stuff fades, rusts, burns, gets lost and stolen? Turn on the news this afternoon. Watch again the towers of Tokyo shake. Watch the waves sweep the wealth and possessions back into the sea. Jesus is stating the obvious. The stuff of life does not last. It truly is not worth the investment of all of your being. He's saying don't put your trust in stuff. It'll let you down every time. Every time. In light of that, he says this. Eternal investments reap the greatest rewards. Don't just invest in the stuff of here and now. Invest in eternity. In fact, in those same verses that we just looked at, look at the beginning. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. I don't think Jesus is simply talking about giving to the poor. There's a greater principle going on here. Here's what he's saying. Invest in relationships. Invest in people. Invest in God. That's what lasts forever. Relationships matter. Relationships are eternal. You will take your relationships with you to heaven. It's the only thing that lasts beyond this life. So invest in them. Do everything you can to invest your heart and soul in relationships with God and with others. Now for the next two points of Jesus' teaching, we're going to shift to the parable in this chapter. At the core of, the te- of this teaching in Luke 12 is a story. A story of a man who could be described as an accumulator. That's what he liked to do, collect. Look at the story, Luke 12:16. Then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. You will die this very night. Then 
who will get everything you worked for. And don't miss the last verse. It's huge. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. We pull two important lessons from this story. Here's the first one. True security is found in God and in the life to come. It's not found here. You, you, think, you think this is your security? True security is not found here. It's found in God and in the life to come. Haven't we learned this lesson yet? I want you to just transport your mind back to the summer of 2008. We were all smiling, weren't we? The houses we bought and built were being assessed at great value. Some of us never dreamed we'd live in a house that was worth as much as we were told our house was worth. Unthinkable numbers were being thrown out. And then what did we do? We borrowed against those houses so that we could own things we never imagined we'd own. When's the last time you checked into the value of your house? Done it recently? I have friends who have. You know what they're finding out? Their house is worth about half what they bought it for. About half. Can you imagine? That nest egg is looking more like a goose egg all the time, isn't it? It's not looking as secure. Life just three years ago, just three years ago, was always up and to the right. Where are we today? That was your security, right? You were investing in that house because there was your retirement. There it was. I wish I could land here for a while. The lessons in this, in this story are really multi-layered and nuanced. Uh, Jesus is not, please understand, He's not endorsing financial irresponsibility. He's not dinging anyone who makes an investment, has a savings account, or has some money. He was the one that complimented the ant for working hard in the summer to prepare for the long, hard winter. That's not what's happening here. He's not condemning hard work and preparation. He's just saying that trusting in earth stuff is foolish. Don't trust in earth stuff. Financial gurus, even, even Christian ones, are selling you a pile of monopoly money if they're saying that you can find true, lasting security in earth stuff, it just doesn't happen. One day you will die. And even if you have a pile of stuff, you know it. You can't take it with you. No one has yet. Further, you can't even guarantee what's going to happen to it once you've gone. No matter how many wills you write to try to manipulate your wealth from the grave, you just can't do it. I want you to imagine for a moment meeting a person who sets out with a life goal. They say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to collect every piece of Monopoly money ever printed so that I can be the richest person in the world. Look at him for a moment you'd think two things. <laughs> Interesting. And foolish. Are you kidding me? This is dumb. That's what the first moments of eternity are going to look like for a lot of people. They're going to open their wallets, their purses, their vaults, and their accounts only to find play money. Resources that are utterly worthless in the eternal economy. There's another lesson here in the story of the accumulator as well. And that is this, only value the things that are really valuable. 
Seems kind of commonsensical. The funny thing is, a lot of what Jesus teaches is commonsensical, isn't it? Only value the things that are really valuable. Catch that last verse again. It's, it's the key to understanding the whole story. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Stuff is not here for the sake of accumulating. It is here for the sake of investing in the one thing that will last beyond this life, that is relationships. Life is all about loving God and loving each other. If you miss it, honestly, you've missed the purpose of your life. Life is not about accomplishment and accumulation. It's about relationships. You were put on this earth to know God and to love Him, and to know people and to love them. I have had that opportunity of standing at the bedside of people who are dying. And I can tell you, pretty much the same thing happens every time. I've never had anybody, never had anybody in those five little moments say, pull out my checkbook, i just got to see one more time. How am I doing here? They've, they've never given a quick call to the accountant to make sure that their, that their assets are, are well taken care of. That, you know what they do? Where are my family? Where are my friends? Tell me what, again what's going to happen when I shut my eyes and open them up again and I'm not here anymore. They care about what's really valuable. One day, you're going to figure out what really matters in life. And guess what? It's not status and stuff. It's relationships. I just hope you don't discover it at the last moments of your life or in the first moments of your next life. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. You know the sad irony? There are so many of us that work so hard to try to provide a better life for our family. For whatever reason, we just we work and work because we want to make sure that our, that our spouses and our kids have the best stuff and the best life. It's really important. And what the truth is, we're giving them all this stuff, and the thing they really wanted most was us. They just wanted us. Don't you think a, a huge part of this is a distraction on the part of the enemy? He's taking advantage of one value you have, the value of providing for your family, in order to distract you from the one thing that really matters, being there, being fully present in the life of those we love. Here's the last lesson of Jesus from this chapter. You're worth a lot more than your stuff. Some of you are saying, thank goodness, I don't have a lot of stuff. But even if you have more stuff than anyone in the world, you are worth far more than your stuff. It's what he said in verses 6 and 7. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God doesn't forget a single one of them. He's basically saying something so insignificant. God cares about that. He says, and the very hairs on your head are numbered by God. God cares about that. So don't be afraid you are worth more. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You're worth more to God than any item on this earth. Your value is determined by God and by God's desire for you. Further, he says, beware. Guard against each kind of greed. Look at this part. Don't miss it. 
straight from Jesus' mouth. Life is not measured by how much you own. We've got to stop pulling out that measuring stick of what we have and saying, that's what I'm worth. God says, it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. Your value is not determined by your possessions. Again, the verse, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. Your value is determined by the richness of your relationship with Him. And finally, he says, life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. Your value is not determined by that which is temporal, but that which is eternal. Not by your goods, but by your God. You know, I really believe, and it doesn't matter who you are, as long as our feet are bound to this earth, we're going to need these heart-to-heart talks with Jesus. We, we, we suffer slippage from time to time. We can be going along really well, and all of a sudden we find ourselves starting to fall for earth stuff again. Starting to fall for the value system of this world and believing that if we just have enough stuff or the right stuff or the right investment or the right retirement account or the right house or the right whatever, we'll be okay. It's easy to start thinking like the people around us, but we have to remember what he said. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. That's what Jesus said. Our mindset is to be different. It is to think like Jesus. Truly devoted Christ followers have a radically different system of estimating worth than that of their earthbound friends. So again, this is what Jesus has taught us in this passage. It's there, really. We know that nothing is more valuable than God. We know that stuff rots and rusts. We know to invest in the eternal. We know that there is no real security in this world. We know what is really valuable and choose to treasure it. And finally, we are worth more than the sum total of our stuff. What I want you to do in response is take out your self-field card, turn it over, and you've got that box on the back side. And I hope you got a pen on the way in. Always give you a pen. It gives you a chance to interact. I want you to look at those statements on the screen, and I want you to think about what we've talked about this morning, as well as what the Spirit of God said to you. Maybe words that were not even spoken in this room. What hit you today? Write it down. What what was the thing that you're walking away with today? Maybe it's a simple statement. Maybe it's a a realization that there's got to be a shift in your values. Maybe it was kind of a pat on the back from God saying, you know what, you're getting this one right. Good job. But what are you walking away with today? Maybe it's just one of these uh, sentences and you'll write it down and say, that's the one that hit me. You see, again, as Christ followers, it's neat to go to church need to sit through a sermon and all, but um, if you don't do something with what you've learned, it's what's called a waste of time. That's what the Bible says. So what hit you today? What are you walking away with? What's going to be different? What's being challenged? Part of the reason I like you to write that down is because I look at those cards uh, every week and take the time to look at what you've written, and it gives me something to pray for you about. So 
gives me that opportunity not just to see your name and pray for you uh, generically, but have, have an area that I can say, this is an area that my brother or sister is struggling or is encouraged, and we want to join you in that in prayer. So let's talk to God right now. Father, I'm grateful that you sent Jesus from this place that we've never been, but this place we desire to go to one day. I'm glad that you sent him to tell us what life was supposed to be like here and how life is supposed to be for Christ followers. I pray that you will give us the guts to do one of two things. Finally get into a relationship with you. Or finally stop calling ourselves Christ followers and actually being one. Even in this area, even when it comes to our piggy bank, and the things we value. God, give us a radically different value system than the people that are around us. They are bound to this earth. We are not earthbound. Earth stuff doesn't cut it, and we know it. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. I want to remind you of some stuff that's going on in your folder. Every week you're handed a folder on the way in, and you notice on the front we have something we call the the top three. It's usually just three things that we're wanting you to be most aware of, things that are going on around church, uh, things that are important. And uh, we don't take the time to read that every week. We really think that part of the reason for writing it is so that you can read it yourself and stay informed. So, so if you're missing out on stuff, it might be that you're not taking the time to read that. Please do that. There is one, though, that I want to reinforce today, and that's the third of, of the three on the list. It gives you some upcoming dates, some things that are going to be happening uh, in the near future, as well as throughout the summer. We have our summer schedule on there. And two of the things that we put on there are the two outdoor services that we'll be doing. One at the beginning of the summer and one at the end of the summer. In fact, it's June 5th and August 21st. We'll be holding those at uh, the Four Rivers Environmental Center where we did last summer. And part of the reason we love using that site, it's right on the DuPage River and it gives us the, the opportunity to be able to participate in baptism. And last year there, there were a number of you that declared your, your faith and devotion to Jesus uh, by being baptized there in the river. We want to offer that opportunity again this year And so we're telling you now so that you can uh, get that on a card in coming weeks so that we can have a conversation with you and you can be well prepared for that time of being able to publicly declare and celebrate the relationship that you have with God. I thank you so much uh, for being here this morning. I know that that extra hour would have been really easy to just stay in those comfy, cozy uh, sheets and enjoy the morning. I'm glad you chose to enjoy the morning here. And we're going to close our our time right now uh, singing again to our God in worship. I can honestly say that uh, my piggy bank goes on a different shelf now that I know Jesus. Important part of my life. It's not the most important part. And sometimes that's just all I need to remember.
as we continue uh, in worship and close out this morning, we're going to tell God, repeat back to Him everything we've learned about Him and what He means to us. Because nothing in God's kingdom is more valuable than God. It's a lot of things that we can run to this week. Pick the right ones. We love you. Pray, uh, we pray in your name. Amen. Have a good week.